Now, we do have on the phone with us uh, Peter Wood and his guest. Uh, Peter, you want to introduce Lee and uh, talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about this morning, please? Yeah. Hi, folks. Hi, Brad Kenny. It's great to be back again. We're out here in a remote area. I can't tell you where I'm at, but I'm in a semi. As soon as we're done, I'll go back to work. How does that sound? remember remember last time brought in brought in some guests and we talked about a a plant that could be built and it could create a lot of very good jobs excellent jobs well here is another plant that wants to come to minnesota and wisconsin wisconsin this is also you guys over there they want to build plants here and they take wood waste and turn it into Oil, crude, crude oil, I guess you could say. Lee, Lee is the president of it. I met Lee a little over a year ago, probably a year and a quarter ago or whatever, and we, we hit it off. And I really like Lee. He's down to earth, yet he's very colorful, folks. He's originally, he's a, he, he's a big red guy. He's from uh, Nebraska. And so Nebraska? We, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so without any going any farther, Lee, are you there? Yeah, yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yep. yep. Yes, we great, can. Great. So, perfect. Well, Lee, this this is kind of exciting stuff that uh, that Pete uh, Pete gave me a little bit of heads up that you were going to be on this morning. Maybe we should start off very simply because a lot of our listeners probably have no idea what this process is. But talk a little bit about how you take wood products or wood byproducts and convert them into burnable fuel. So we have, uh, so thanks for having me on here, guys. Um, you bet. So we you have bet. a patented, we have a patented technology. It's a unique and also, um, say 40 years old. Okay. We use a, 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 a process called pyrolysis. Uh, it's, 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 uh, if you see what happened in a campfire when you're trying to put it out and it smokes, when it's not really, you know, you don't see flames. That's paralysis. And right, we perfected okay. this. We perfected this process about forty years ago, trying to get in the energy business. And when we finally had all the patents in place to go commercial, we didn't have an energy business. So we pivoted into the into the food products business with with a company in uh, ironically in um, in Wisconsin, Manitowoc originally, and now they're in Rhinelander. They make food flavorings out of wood. Using our technology, really, really, yeah. and so we have a almost a forty-year history in Wisconsin with the technology, and uh, essentially we have an operating a plant that we that's been operational since two thousand five that we built in Ottawa, and then we just recently finished a plant in eastern Quebec. We can talk about that here as we go go forward, but essentially it's kind of a unique process. We we uh, uh, we have a. a the technology itself looks like what ref- would be referred to as a cat cracker in a refinery. Okay, our technology okay. partner going forward is is UOP Honeywell, and so so we, we've got a, a a good brand. We got a proven technology, which tends to be the limiting factor in the whole biofuels business. Okay, so we've got that solved, and we think we're the only technology known commercially available technology in the world that converts solid biomass into a liquid that can be used in existing boilers. It's a big deal. Wow. A lot of people want now, to go. Now Lee, to go to, Lee, you're uh, Lee, you're sailing, saying that this technology has been out there for 40 years? Yes. Yes. Our patents go back 40 years. And uh I guess we've been we've been making 
we start out as a technology company, licensing the technology for use in various sectors. You know, the food business for one, then the cracking of that bitumen uh, oil they get out of the out of the tar sands. Okay, and we've sure. been able to. Uh, and, but the energy when we entered in the energy business itself, it was too big to license. So we decided the best way to play the technology was to build, own, and operate it ourselves. Okay, with partners. Okay, so okay. So, so, so now you've adapted. Where... So now you've adapted a little bit out of making uh, products that help food enhancement into actually making a product that you can put in a boiler and burn. The same stuff. It's the same stuff. Yeah. Okay. So really. So nominally, you know, before you know half. Of, so we in our process. The raw material, about half of it, you can turn it into food flavorings, and half we've been burning. Okay. We we okay. can have that product in a, in a boiler at a paper mill in Wisconsin for the last I don't know, fifteen years. Okay, so wow, we know we can burn it. We have customers in the East Coast, you know, where you have institutions like like colleges and people that like we have a contract. Uh, this we can discuss this more fully with Duluth originally to be to be able to okay. service out of our, our our projects that we operate in Canada that we ended up with a with a hiccup with a federal regulatory agency relative to certain things we can kind of talk about later. But essentially we service some institutions who want to be green. Okay. Uh, want to save a yep. little money and uh, they want to use their existing boilers because uh, I don't think there's a campus in the United States that hasn't at least thought about, you know, burning this material, you know, uh, burning biomass sure. to be green or student bodies treat, you know, it's all about green. And then in addition, we've done trials with the same liquid, putting it in a refinery Okay, um, in certain process in a refinery, and what comes out is is a, a gasoline and diesel, the same stuff we're using today, except it had a little bit of a component, maybe four or five percent of that raw product that went into that gasoline was a tree biomass. Okay, so Jeez. so that, so the the Minnesota area was a was an ideal location for us to expand our our production capacity because it's uh, for a whole host of reasons. I, I use yeah. uh, well, Minnesota, Wisconsin interchangeably here, but <clears throat> that sector because you're, you're, you, you've got transportation to get you down into the into the uh, refining network in the Upper Midwest. You've got ample people who use uh, use uh, fossil fuel to heat district energy systems. Minnesota enjoys one of the most prolific district energy systems, uh, the number of district energy systems in the United States. So. Sure. So this was this was how I this is how I come, came to meet uh, uh, Peter, and and the loggers up there, and Congressman Stauber has been very very helpful for us. Uh, been Outstanding. busting his chops, and so that's that's well, kind of uh, how we come came to to know each other, and that's uh, like when I told Peter this morning, I said I would fully expect when I met him two almost two years ago that we would be under construction today. Okay. Yeah. If I had to say yeah. two years ago, where will you be? You know, uh, almost the first of June in 2020, I'll be under construction. Okay. It takes a year to get a permit. That's not a problem, and we would be off to the races. And we kind of got hijacked by a uh, by uh, by some regulatory uncertainty that's has kind of had a stymied for almost a year and a half. Wow. 
like it seems like everything goes through that in in Minnesota in some shape or form. If you want to build something, put a you know get a new form of mining or anything else, there's these regulatory hoops you have to jump through. But it sounds like this is the kind of project that even the environmentalists would love. It smacks of green all over the place. Uh, Lee, let me ask you the the million dollar question from a conservative standpoint, though, is what is the cost? What is the cost uh, of the product when it's being used to burn to to make energy? How does that compare to the cost of, say, coal or or gas or oil or something else? Well, that's the heart of the that's the heart of the issue, like all biofuels. Uh, this is a biofuel. I mean, there was a program yep. that was started, our, renewable fuel standard number one and number number two. This is what gave us the biodiesel and the corn ethanol business, okay? okay. Uh, there was a All certain right. portion of that in RFS2 that was designated for cellulosic fuels. This was stuff nobody wanted, okay? The, in, the original intent, I don't think, was to make – I grew up on a farm in Nebraska, you know, and in 1973 I worked on the first – as a design engineer, first ethanol plant, okay? So – uh, it's it you know we've always been able to make uh, make uh, uh, fuel out of corn ethanol out of corn right but this was a, a driver to, to to basically try to figure out what maybe corn stover you know uh, in this particular case we're talking about biomass in the forest handed biomass not trees not pulp not not saw timber this is just crap that's left over after harvest that's really what we live sure. on okay okay and that's what we were after okay so. What happens is, is, the, is the government, when they pass the legislature, when they pass this RFS2 legislation, they recognized that this was going to be a pretty tough putt, okay? And so the way that whole program operates is there's a requirement on oil companies. It's a federal requirement on oil companies requiring them to have a certain amount of these products in their overall mix of, of transportation fuels. And okay. corn ethanol, you've got biodiesel, you've got you know, palm oil, and then you've got these cellulosic products, okay, which is where we live. Now, the original program was, was, was targeted to have 16 billion gallons of this material, you know, oh. uh, in, in, the, in the mix. You know, right now there's probably less than 200 million uh, as opposed to 16 billion. Uh, and sure. essentially, uh, in, 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 and, and, and as, as a result, the co- we make these certificates. And they're called RINs. The corn ethanol business has them. The biodiesel business has them. But this is a, this is a way to to subsidize the cost. And in our particular case, we don't touch the federal budget. We don't get cash from the feds. We don't get tax credits from the feds in this cellulosic sector. But we we make these RINs that we sell to the oil companies for their compliance. Okay, not unlike uh, okay a, a power business, right? Okay. I've got a certificate. I- the government says you have to have so many of these kinds of certificates at the end of the year. <clears throat> so that's that's so so when we price our product to a university, uh, to, to to the Duluth Energy System, you know, we were competitive to coal or natural gas. We sure. we were, we offered a little bit of a reduction. Okay, when we go into a refinery, they love us because it's a pretty easy compliance for them because they don't want to they, they tend not to want to mix fuels and blend fuels. All they have to do is back off a little bit of their crude, put a little bit of this stuff in. <clears throat> we create these compliance RINs for them, and it's no fuss, no muss. And, and at some point in time, there's a gas pump that says 5% of this came from cellulosic products, as opposed to 10% came from, from ethanol, right, from a, from a hassle perspective. So that's the world we live in, okay? 
And uh, it's it, it, the regulatory environment. We weren't afraid of the regulatory environment specific to Minnesota. Yeah. <clears throat> the regulatory issue we ran into, it, you can't even really make this up. I mean, the, the fact pattern is ridiculous because in order to create these RINs, you have to build the plant first in order to get it certified. <laughs> okay. That you, that, that you do what you say you're going to do. So we built the yeah. plant. And then we and we back and we were unfortunate because our initial plant was built before the RFS regulations actually went into place, 2005 nominally. And now your so plant, your plant, plant we, Lee, your plant is in Wisconsin currently, or are you? No, what, no, where no, are we? No, we the the, our, the plants that we owned, that we have owned and built personally for the commercial uh, the commercial purposes, they're in Canada. Yeah. Uh, okay. The technology was was in place making food products. These are small plants. Yes. You know, uh, our, our typical plant is a twenty million gallon a year plant. If you're making food flavoring, you don't want you know twenty million gallons of mesquite no. flavoring. I mean, it, the the ideal situation with our technology is it can work in a variety of different sizes. You know, if you look at our okay. technology, it looks like a cat cracker, a cat cracker that our partners UOP Honeywell will sell to the petroleum business are two orders of magnitude bigger than this, okay? That's the typical problem with the biofuels industry. They have a technology that doesn't scale up or scale down or scale sideways. We've been in operation for 40 years. We know this stuff works, okay? We've got offtake for that. So the technology issue is not there. And then our technology partner, Honeywell UOP, builds a thing for us. Because right. when we go into it, yeah, and you know, understand Honeywell UOP actually invented the cat cracker. And that's how okay. 90% of the gasoline in the world is made. So when we walk into a refinery, sure. walk in with that group, and they say, we've got instant credibility. We're not some Canadian company making barbecue sauce, right? Right, so, right. So that, yeah, that's I what gotcha. we got to the party here. And our regulatory hurdle came when we, when we, when we of all things, of all things, uh, we said we were going to make this liquid out of slash and pre-commercial thinnings. We said fine. They said fine. And our initial registration says slash and pre-commercial thinnings. And then we showed them a, our, our harvest plant. This is after the plant's built. It started a year and a half ago. It took us two years to build the plant. A year Now we've been waiting a year and a half with this regulatory sign-off from the federal agency. And they say, well, that's not slash and that's not pre-commercial thinning. And they said, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, this is, these are commonly held terminology in the forest business. And every, most states in the union and most federal agencies have a specific definition in writing about right. what's, what constitutes slash. Pre-commercial thinning is a little goofy, but slash is fine. And slash includes, it's an inclusive definition. <clears throat> and they came back to us initially. We're still having conversation and saying, well, that only includes tops, limbs, and bark from a commercial tree. I said, where are you <laughs> getting this? What about a pine cone? So I got a dead tree here. I can't take it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, and pre-commercial thinning is defined in the law as removal of stems for the benefit of, uh, of, of enhancing the, the overall health of the forest stand. It's good stewardship. Lee, hold, uh, Lee, hold that thought for hold that thought for a minute. We are commercial radio. I've got to do a quick commercial here, and then I, I want to let Peter know, and I want to let our listeners do, down the line because of some technical problems we've been having for the last week. We're going to have to cut this segment short. Uh, we can get a little bit more out of Lee. I'm starting to understand the process. It sounds wonderful. 
have you been able to overcome this regulatory issue of what is slash? I mean, to me, I don't know that much about logging, but slash to me is like the leftover products from from logging. That's exactly what it is. You know, we've been it's uh, it's when I listen to Lee and uh, when I listen to folks at DC in meetings, you uh, I can't afford to pull my hair out, but it's like you want to pull your hair out. It's like you guys aren't even. <laughs> it's like reality that leaves. It's it's hard to describe, but the the truth is what Lee and the company that he represents wants to use is what nobody uses. We're, we're looking for an outlet, and this is an outlet that will create lots of good-paying jobs. We can reduce the fuel load for forest fires anywhere in the country using this process. We can manage the forest better. That's what we need to do is we are the stewards of land when we manage it as loggers. And a company that Lee represents, Incent, is one of those companies that would really, really help. A logger is not going to take beautiful saw logs, grind it up, and take it to them. It won't happen. You may... You, you won't because you, you financially will go broke. And anybody that's a businessman that wants to make money does not want to go broke, and they're not going to do stupid things. No. And, and Lee, are you still there? Because I'd like to hit a little bit more on this. And the, and the bottom line is we've, we've actually been in conversations after a year and a half. They finally got back to us. I can't believe it. It takes longer to get a response back than it does to build a plan. But Sure. You know, when I, when you're in an environment where the economy is in a free fall. There's 40 million people unemployed. And one of the cornerstones of the president's regulatory agenda was to provide regulatory uncertainty or provide regulatory certainty and remove red tape. And we run into, you know, a a hailstorm of red tape. Uh, And and quite frankly, there's no real the solution is really easy. uh, And we've done everything we can. We've had political support from the congressional delegation in Minnesota. We've got the folks in Maine and New Hampshire writing letters. Uh, I guess the one fix that, that would be would be helpful if somebody has access to the policy people in Washington uh, at the White House or the energy policy folks in his administration, uh, a little point. And I don't know who's listening here, but but we could use all the help at that level possible. We, we're, we're dealing absolutely. With, I, 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 we're dealing with the bureaucrats because essentially we're, it's about jobs. Every one of these plants we build has got 200 long term jobs. This is through studies that were, you know, that are they're well established and certified planning models. Okay. Yes. And there's a number of that we have, and you, you're sitting in a target-rich environment for us. And we're not the only game in town, by the way. But we're the we're the furthest along. We're the first commercial. And I look backwards right now. There's 500 million dollar projects under construction in the United States, and we're the we're we're it's almost like we're going over Donner Pass. And we have to call back to St. Louis and say, don't try to do this in the wintertime, okay? Because we're the first guys over there. And so that that's really the issue. And, and this has got we're, – we're, we're fighting the fight. We just need people to man our uh, – help us at, on, the, on the firing line, okay? We well, Lee, Lee, are you, are, Lee, are you in a position where you have picked out a location where you would put this plant uh, when, in you, yes, when you yes, get the final been, authorizations? Been, we, we were we were in the process of finalizing our sites. We, we've been working with the with the uh, with with the with the county commissioner uh, county commission up there okay. in the in the north of Duluth. I forgot what county that is. Keith Nelson, I Triple R B people, the local planning agencies, the economic development, just absolutely the most fantastic people I've ever dealt with in my life. And 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 Congressman Stauber's bent over backwards. He's thrown everything he, he can at the net. Okay, and 
Yeah. He's a first-term congressman, you know, and he's done a wonderful job for us. Uh, and and essentially, uh, we've had uh, we've been in the, this group has been in the White House talking to Peter Navarro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my sense is the man here doesn't know this is going on. I can't believe in this environment when you have a program that's all about jobs. At the end of the day, forget about green. It's about jobs yeah. in areas that, are, that were demolished by the economy before this happened. Now we have an economy in free fall, and I can't believe – it'd be one thing if we said our technology didn't work. It'd be one thing if we can't get rid of this stuff. The refineries don't want it. Uh, nobody wants to burn the fuel for, for, for border purposes and, and become part of the new green deal, so to speak, right? But this is about right. a, a well-established definition that you've taken an outlier position on and essentially regulated biomass completely out of this RFS program, which was designed for biomass. In a word, okay. Well, we have uh, we have a regular access. We we have a regular access here to Congressman Stauber. He comes on our show just about every week, and this is going to be an issue we're going to bring up again. But like you say, he's doing he's done yeoman work at it. We just need to get yeah. to the right people in the administration that can understand that this can not only help uh, agreeing the the use of. Uh, uh, fuels uh, from the forest floor, but it can get rid of a lot of excess waste that would normally be just laying around doing nothing. And it's uh, it's a yeah. proven technology. And if we, any of our listeners exactly right. want to contact your congressman, contact your county commissioner, let them know that this is a process out there that could mean a lot of great jobs uh, for loggers and for the Northland in general. Uh, give them a call. Let them know you heard about it on our show. And, and uh, Lee, we're going to put up on our website the name of your company, if you don't mind. Put your picture and the description of the technology so that people can follow a little bit about what's going on with it as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, I'll work through here to right. get you that information. All right. Thank you very much. Peter, uh, again, I'm sorry we had to cut you short this uh, this segment, uh, but we hopefully will be back in the studio next month and we'll get back on a regular routine. I want to thank you so much for bringing Lee to our attention. It has been an interesting segment, and I'll tell you what, the future looks pretty bright out there for uh, for products made out of uh, out of wood. It's It looks really good. We just need a little help. And folks out there, remember, loggers are the quiet, silent industry, and but we can make noise. And this Absolutely. is one of the things that we need in this part of the country because it would be excellent paying jobs for oh, yeah. a lot of people. It's like a big, big thing if we can get it going. It's just that I do All believe right. the administration doesn't know about it. There you go. We need to get that to their to a Navarro or to President Trump himself somehow. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. We're going to take our Fox News break and we'll be back shortly. WDSM time 936. And Brad, what a great segment. We'll let Sawdust fly, huh? Man, awesome. I'll tell you what, I, I think they got something uh, something going on there because uh when you can make a product that you can burn in a boiler, much like oil, out of wood byproduct, out of leftover sticks and twigs and and uh, and cones, uh, you know, that would normally be just left laying around on the ground, that's pretty exciting. 
And like you said, you're, they're not asking the federal government for any subsidies. Uh, they're not asking uh, for any uh, special treatment of any kind. And they've got plenty of market. For the it, politicians so. are scratching their heads saying, this is too good to be true. Something, yeah. we better sit how on this for a while this because this just sounds yeah. like the perfect industry here. And Lee told me, I chatted with him uh, at the end here, we're not bringing a plant in. We're bringing an industry in. Yes, exactly.